Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of In the Damn Way, Life, Love, and Everything in Between. I am your host and creator, Brandy Alexander. I want to welcome you to another amazing opportunity to have conversations that we don't want to have, but that are that are necessary for our healing journey, for my healing journey, I know. So I hope that all of the people that are listening are also on a healing journey so that we can heal together, right? So we don't want a world full of hurt and um, trauma. Um, we have enough of that. So we want to change the trajectory for our next generation and offer them a healthier way of living in hopes that they can um, release the generational curses that have been placed over us um, and help us to uh, live more fulfilling lives and, and more um, lives filled with, with, with more, just more, more of everything, more spiritually, more, more uh, financially, more um, educationally, just more of everything. So thank you again for welcoming, I mean, for coming today, um, being with me. Um, we're going to kick off this week with another uh, topic that is related to back to school race to adulthood it is a race that no one wants to have but um once they get there but while they're in that race they definitely want to um they want to get there fast they want to get there quick they don't want to focus on anything but being an adult as if it um adds uh, a greatness to your life but if you're not prepared for what that next part of your life looks like you can go into it um uh, in a falsehood and therefore you deal with a lot of disappointment. So my goal, my purpose is to help us before we get to that point and those who are in adulthood to help us to change the trajectory, sorry, I messed that word up last week, of our generations following us so that again, they may live healthier lifestyles. Um, and so today we wanna focus on social anxiety. Before the pandemic, I knew nothing about social anxiety. I knew there was an introvert, there was an extrovert, but as far as social anxiety, I had no idea what it was. And so again, y'all, I had to go to Google and figure out exactly what it was because I don't want to give you guys uh, my opinion without giving you some facts if there are some facts to be given. And Google states that social anxiety is a chronic mental health condition in which social interactions cause irrational anxiety. Symptoms may include excess fear of situations in which one may be judged, worry about embarrassment or humiliation, or concern about offending someone. That's a lot to have to deal with. And I feel like um, as we were going through the pandemic, those who suffer from social anxiety were actually worse off than those who were used to um, being social because you're actually secluded, right? And so the fact that you already have a problem with um, being amongst others, just imagine what happens when you are forced to be alone. I know for me, the pandemic, even though I worked for home for many, for many years, the pandemic, um, it changed. It changed me. It changed my way of thinking. It changed my way of living because I was forced to do something that I had chosen to do. So now you're telling me I can't do. 
Um, it made me feel trapped. It made me feel caged. It made me feel like I had no choices in life. Although I found some healthier alternatives um, within it, in the beginning, it was very hard to understand what the pandemic was about and understand how to maneuver through. No, no one had given us a guide. Only thing they told us was that you can't go outside. Um, and as a small child, you know, if somebody tells you you can't do something, it's something that you want to do even more. You want to know what it is that they're telling you you can't do. Um, but one thing that I found out was that my child was suffering from this disease. My, my child was suffering from social anxiety and because social anxiety and depression kind of mirror each other, according to Google, according to psycholo psychology, um, they mirror each other, right? So it, you don't know which one they're actually, or I didn't know which one he was actually dealing with, right? I'm thinking he's depressed when he really has a problem with social fears, right? So when he was failing those classes and I'm, you know, telling him you need to talk to the teacher, you need to, you know, you need to engage, you need to do this, you need to, that, to do that. I did not understand how hard it was for him to do that. For me, it's easy. For me to speak up and say something is easier. Um, than it was for him. Now, let me go back to this pandemic because of the pandemic and because I was kind of put into a shell. Now it's harder. Now I can kind of understand not saying that I, 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 I am, you know, I do have, or I do suffer from social anxiety. What I'm saying is that I can understand some of the pressures that he faces. Um, and so now that I can understand it, now that I can say, Oh, now I get it. Now I can help him. So today I want to help you because you may not understand it. You may not get it um, when you hear children or see children sitting in a room all day long playing the game. And some of them just do. But some of them do it as a way that they don't have to socialize with the world because when they're playing those video games, they can be anything that they want to be. Some people on social media have social anxieties, but on social media, you can be anything you want to be, which is why they make fake pages, which is why they make fake names and fake this and fake that. You can be what you want to be because you're afraid of what people may say or how they may treat you if they find out, find out who you are and what you know. And so as he was going through high school, this was truly an issue because I wanted him to reach out to his teacher to get better understanding. I'm asking him, like, do you raise your hand in class? And his answer to me was no. I didn't get that. Why don't you raise your hand? If you need help, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. And I know if you were here last week, you kind of understand where I'm coming from with that one. When we were talking about, um, you know, we send our children to school in hopes that they actually go into a healthier environment and the classroom is, you know, teaching them what they need to teach them and they're learning what they need to learn. But at the end of the day, some of them are not grasping that information because they're too afraid to actually speak up when they don't understand. So what happens is they start to fail. And we as parents who don't understand what it is to, um, for a child that suffers from social anxiety, we don't meet that, um, fear with, love we meet it with aggression because we want to know why we want to know that or want to understand like 
you're smart enough. I'm getting you the tutors. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And yeah, they may get it when it's a one-on-one situation where they're not being judged by 20 other children. But when it comes to that classroom setting where there are other children and there are some who don't want to learn, there are some who already know the material and you coming in and, and you have a social anxiety with being embarrassed, even when you're not being embarrassed, you're just asking for, you know, help. But it's hard to just raise your hand or to say, I need help. I didn't understand that. But once I understood it, like I said, I I, under, I, I tried to do my best to make uh, a better situation um, out of it. It took me a while to understand it. So, again, where I may have I may could have helped him earlier in the years. It took me until the, his senior year to actually understand that he was really suffering from social anxiety. Now, I'm I'm not a medicine person, so I wasn't going to get my baby some Xanax and, and uh, Prozac. And for those people who have to take those medications, I am not speaking down on any of it. You know, if you need it, definitely take it. I'm not a medicine person because I know from experience how those medications can change you. And so I definitely wanted to try to deal with it before we move to the next step. And so that's another thing. Like when you hear the word depression, anxiety, it doesn't automatically mean we have to stick that child on medication. When you hear ADD or when you hear um, um, all of the I don't I don't know any other um diseases or social diseases, uh, mental disorders, I'm sorry, not diseases, mental disorders that can keep those children from learning in class. The first thing most doctors want to do is to put them on medication. I'm not a firm believer of that. I'm a firm believer that if we change, um, some things, um, uh, and understand how you learn, it may produce a better outcome. Now, if it doesn't, and if the problem continues, then maybe we should, go to the next step. But that's let's start at the bottom first. Because once you put the put people on medication, it's hard to go back and then go forward again. It's harder. So let's take the easiest step. So let's talk about how this looks like in an academic setting. How does social anxiety look in an academic setting? Again, um, I did express to you that, you know, he had problems asking questions in, uh, in class for fear of being laughed at or the teacher answering in an embarrassing way. We as educators, we as parents, we as anyone of authority have to understand that we can't always take our frustrations out on our children or peers or anybody that is beneath us because one those who are, and I'm not saying beneath as in they don't match our level. What I'm saying is anyone that is looking to you for guidance, right? So when I say beneath, that's what I mean. Anyone that is looking to you for guidance, you have to make sure that how you're perceiving the, or how, how they're receiving information from you is perceived in a positive aspect. We don't want them to feel like, oh my God, I can't ask her nothing because she's going to make a joke out of it or she's going to embarrass me or she's going to, you know, whatever. We have to think about that. And as educators, we really have to think about that. Um, I know that the classrooms have become more frustrating and I know it's become more scarier to be an educator. And I, and I understand all the nuances that you have to deal with when you have overcrowding of classrooms and all that good stuff. But you have to put yourself in that place and say, I was once a student in a classroom that 
probably mimic the classroom that I'm teaching. So if I were that peer who is having that problem, would I want to make, would I want to embarrass them or would I want to help them? Because once you embarrass them, that's it. It only takes one teacher to embarrass a child before a child takes that and thinks that every other teacher is going to de going to do the same thing. And so that causes them to re re recluse, right? They go into a shell. And now whatever they don't know, they're not trying to learn it. They're not trying to learn it because they can't receive it. They, they're blocking it all out. It's no longer, you know, they're no longer a sponge. That sponge has dried up and there is no more water getting through there. There's no more knowledge getting through there. So now you're hitting a brick wall. And then you want to have parent-teacher conference with teachers and, I mean, it's with students, I mean, uh, parents, I'm sorry, and say, oh, the child is not, you know, um, paying attention or they're not engaging. Well, have you had a one-on-one -on -one with that child and tried to understand why? Have you done the part to help? Because you have our students so many hours out of the day. Do you think about what they have to deal with in other classrooms with other uh, authority figures and how their teaching or their, you know, um, way of dealing with them may be totally different? So it may be something that as a team, I know when, when I was in school, you were on a team of, of uh, teachers, right? They all met. They all pretty much had the same students. You were on that team. If you all having the same problem with the same student, who is going to stop and say, okay, there's something that someone may have done or that they may be dealing with. So we need to take this to a different level. That used to be the way. Now you have to sign forms and get them into special settings in order for them to learn when they can't learn that way. And it's a whole process, but all it does is make the child seem like they're different. They can't learn. So now you're minimizing what it is that they know. And once you do that, there you go, sticking another stigma on a child, making it even harder. So when we're talking about social anxiety, you have to look at all of all of these things. Like when you put the fact that this person can't take tests with the rest of the class and I get that they can't. I understand the anxieties behind it. I'm not I'm not saying anything negative toward that. But what I'm saying is when you remove those students, instead of figuring out as educators how to help those students so that they can take tests with or matter of fact, just get rid of 90 percent of the tests that y'all make them take anyway. That's a whole nother show for a whole other day. But if, if if they have to be in that setting, make it so that they feel comfortable taking those tests. Make the test so they're individualized as opposed to being universal. That's what they call them. Standardized. Standardized, meaning everybody learning the same way, doing the same thing, having the same outcome. It doesn't work. People with social anxieties, it doesn't work. People with mental disorders, it doesn't work. So you're adding pressure. What does that do? It continues through high school. And they're lucky if they even make it that far. 
My son dealing with social anxiety, again, I told you guys last week, I was so excited when he graduated high school to just take that pressure off of him. It was so hard. Now, I'm not saying that some of his faults weren't his own. I'm not saying that. I'm not. Please don't ever think that I wouldn't ever call my child out if they were ever wrong. But what I'm saying is some of the things that he was dealing with was because of the environment. And the environment was because of us as parents or as educators or people of authority that were not making safe environments for all students as opposed to standardizing everything and making the same thing available for everyone when that's not how the world works. The real world does not work that way. And what you do for people with social anxiety when you do that, you do not prepare them for the rest of the world because they have to deal with people. They have to go on job interviews. They have to, they have to, um, uh, apply for apartments and they have to do certain things in order to maintain life. And if they're not prepared for that mentally, they become a statistic. Number two, they're unable to establish friendships. So again, going back to my son, um, in middle school, he, you know, had his set of friends and that was his set of friends. And, you know, that's it. That's who he was comfortable around. But a person who has social anxiety is not good in a different environment. Again, something else I didn't know. Something else I didn't understand. So when we moved and his school changed, um, he was in a magnet program. So he was able to continue that school when we moved. But when when the feeder school after that Changed his whole environment. People with social anxieties don't do well with that. He would walk the whole school and make no friends. Now, I understand in this day and age, you know, um, there's a lot going on in high schools. I get it. I get it. But the one thing you don't want your child to be is a loner. Because they continue that lifestyle. And it's not healthy to be alone, especially when you're dealing with something like social anxiety. It's unhealthy because you don't have anybody to lean on. If you're all by yourself, if you're bottling all of that up, how do you expect to expel that if you don't have anyone that's in your circle who you can count on? You know, when he got comfortable at summer camp, when he was going to summer camp, you know, he was able to talk to them and get it all out and you know, and I'm, I was grateful for that, but that didn't help him once he got back to the real world. But that world was different. It was smaller. You know, people were listening. He was being heard. He was allowed to let his guard down and it was OK. He was a, he was able to make friends only to come back and go right back in that shell because the environment that he was in didn't create that safe space for him. Which brings me to my next point. Unable to join social groups. I know a lot of people don't join clubs, but I feel like personally as a person who um, was on teens or joined clubs, I feel like they're really helpful to you understanding the world. And also understanding your strengths and weaknesses. 
and getting to know others that are like-minded or different, have a different mind that are able to challenge you in order to move yourself to the next level in life. But he didn't want to be bothered with nobody, no groups, no nothing. He played football, um, but it was like he was alone on the team. I'm on the team, but I'm alone. And I don't know if you guys joined me a couple weeks ago when I said it really is lonely when you're around a million people and you feel alone. Well, that's what social anxiety, people who suffer from that, that's how they feel. Because they're just, they just want to block everyone from around them. They can't deal with it. They don't know how. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be, you know, um, picked on, bullied or, or what have you. So they keep it to themselves, how they feel, what they think, what they, you know, want to say for fear of being persecuted. Who does that help? It doesn't help that child. The last thing. Um, I feel like as it relates to school is that it keeps them from asking for help. They would rather suffer in silence than be judged. And I talked about that earlier, but that was just my last point. Um, even for me, because he had made it up in his mind that he was the only one in his world who could help him. He was the only one in his world who could help him. So therefore, I wasn't allowed, he didn't trust that I would be there to help him because he had developed this mistrust of the world and it was harder on him to trust even me and I live in the same house as him. And it could have been me that caused his social anxiety. I don't know. But what I'm saying is we have to recognize it so that we can stop it so that hopefully they can live healthier lives. So how do we help those that are suffering from social anxiety? And these are some tips that I did to help me. Now, I don't know if it's going to help anybody, but it's definitely worth trying. And if you come up with something else and, you know, want to add to my list, please um, email me or uh, leave me a comment on my website, www.therealbrandyalexander.com and let me know because I would love to know. So number one is celebrate the small victories. Again, he was failing in um, a class, a few classes at one time, but failing in a class and he pulled up the grades Um and instead of me saying, oh, that's good, but I know you can do better. If you just turn in these assignments, if you just do this, if you just do that. Um, but what I should have said is great. I'm proud of you. That's awesome. I knew you could do it. Leave it at that. If there's anything you need from me, just let me know. Leave it at that. You ain't got to add nothing else to it. Celebrate the small victories because when you add a but or if or I remember 
to anything that you say after you tell somebody, I'm proud of you, you may as well not even say it, I'm proud of you. You should have just cut off the first part and just had the last part because they ain't even, they, they won't even process what you said prior to you telling them what fault they had afterwards. Be mindful of your words and celebrate those small victories. Let them know that they have a safe space. Number two, expose them to the outside world in a controlled setting. So me and my son would go and do things just to get him in a social setting, but I wouldn't leave him. Now he didn't need me to hold his hand or anything, but you know, we would go and do certain things that he wanted to do. This is a way for him to get out, see other people, do other things. I had to learn him that, not teach him. <laughs> I had to learn him that. I had to show him that it's okay to go out and have a good time. And, you know, don't worry about what other people are thinking of you. Just go out and enjoy you. It's still a work in progress. We still haven't gotten to a point to where I would consider him um, a social butterfly, but definitely we aren't at the beginning. So it's a work in progress. So just getting him into controlled settings. But I will say that um, now he's able to go on his own and I'm so proud of him. And I tell him that I'm so proud of you that you're able to go outside and you don't need me. You don't need anybody else to go with you. You can go by yourself. You can enjoy, you know, where it is that you're going and and come back. And that's an, that is an accomplishment for him because he was one. He's not going. I'm talking about to family events. If he didn't know my cousins, because it's, you know, my first cousins, we all know each other. But the, the ones after us don't know um, each other that well. And so if he don't know you, he ain't going. Now, if certain ones are going to be there that he may know then maybe he'll participate. But if he doesn't know, he's not participating. Two weeks ago, you know, he uh, told me he wanted to go to church with me. Never happens. But I was glad that he did because it meant that he's coming out of his shell. He's breaking that curse that was on him of making him feel like he can't go and be amongst the world and not be judged. And if someone does judge him, it's okay. They're going to do that regardless, but you can't tear me down. You want to know why? Because of my next point, correct self-esteem issues. Now I'm going to tell you, I don't have un ugly children at all. Okay. Not even a little bit, but what I do, I tell my sons all the time, you handsome, you cute. I like what you got on. I like your style. And I'm not lying. These are all facts. I let them come into their own as to how they want to be as young men. And it has allowed them to gain confidence. Confidence in how they dress. Confidence in how they walk. Don't worry, they don't worry about nobody else no more. You don't like it, so be it. But it had to be built. Because I was so used to just standardizing myself, you know. Remember, I talked about that last week, thinking one size fits all and it didn't work. But once I started to pour more positive, positive, once I was able to see him, let me say that once I, the work was gone and once, you know, I wasn't doing so much and I was able to see him. 
I was able to pour more positivity into him, which helped him socially. So now I don't have to tell him he looks cute. He already know he's cute. But I tell him he's cute anyway, which he is cute. <laughs> Create a positive environment. That's the, that's the one thing that has to be established with anybody dealing with a mental issue. <clears throat> but definitely for someone who's dealing, dealing with social issues. The world is negative enough. <clears throat> Social media is negative enough. Anything that's dealing outside of these four walls is negative enough. So I'm not going to make these four walls negative. Everything in here has to be on a positive light. <clears throat> if it's not positive, it has to go. You can't live here. Because I never want them to feel like, what's the point of me going home? What is the point of me going home when the home is about as bad as me being out here in the world? Nikki has the comment that says that's very important. We have to build these babies up. Tell them how beautiful, handsome, talented, creative they are. So true. Because a lot of them deal with that social anxiety, right? Don't want to be around people. Don't want to be, you know, feel like they don't fit in. Fit into what? Make your own circle and fit into that. Let others fit into you. But if we don't pour that positivity in, into them, if we don't create a positive environment, especially it starts at home. Then they don't win. They don't win because they, they have to create they have to go through a bunch of negative in order to get to a positive. They have to create a positive environment on their own. And it's not a, it's not as easy as it sounds. But we as their heads. We should provide that. Give them that sense of peace when they come home. I'm not saying let them run amok. What I'm saying is provide peace when they come home. It's structure when you come home. Yeah, you have things to do, but also know that everything that I'm telling you to do is to build you up. It ain't to tear you down. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot on social anxiety today. Again, like I said, I'm not a psychologist and I was just looking over my notes to see if I had any other points to make. But um, again, I say for those that are dealing with mental disorders or anxieties or depressions, I get it. I deal with it, too. I deal with it too. I suffer from it too. And so anything that I'm telling you or anything that I'm giving you, um, it's not just me just saying it. It's, it's personally because I, I get it. But you have to you have to want better. In order to. Be better and you have to create create better atmospheres for yourself. The world isn't going to do it until they wake up and realize that the way that we're doing it is wrong. Which I doubt very seriously they're going to do. Anytime soon, we have to create it. What they say, a village, we have to create that village. It used to be villages. There used to be strong families. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying they're less likely nowadays than they were before. 
when everybody stuck together and lifted people up because the world is going to tear them down. Don't make them afraid to go outside and don't let them stay afraid if they are afraid when they get out there. Let them know that they just as smart. They're just as um, beautiful. They're just as creative. They're just as talented as Nikki stated. They're they are just as, you know, anybody else. They can do just as much. So don't make them feel like they have to stay in their same circle in order to to achieve. No, they can stand in different circles and achieve just as much. But we have to create the atmosphere. They're going to be adults. Do you want them be, to be adults that can't even um, go to a proper job interview? Can't get that money that they deserve because they're too afraid to sit with confidence, speak with confidence. Or do we want to be a leaders? Hmm. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. This week is a short one. Again, I said, I said, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not going to go into it as if, you know, I have the end all be all for social anxiety, but I do know that it's a problem. I do know that as a parent, I'm still dealing with it. So I, I, um, Pray for any other family that has to deal with it or any other child that suffers from it or any other adult that suffers from it. You know, I live in a neighborhood. I can't tell you one of my neighbors. And they can't tell you who I am. Now, if that's social anxiety, I don't know. But what I know is I don't deal with them. Do we want to have our children do the same thing? We want them to know their neighborhood. It used to be a time you could knock on your neighbor's door and ask for sugar. And it was okay. No one was embarrassed. But do it right now. You probably don't even know your next door neighbor. Not well enough to go over there and ask for no sugar. And if you did, why are you worried about what they're going to say after you leave? We got caught up in the world. And we lost what we had for ourselves. And now it's, it's, it's on our children. Now they're afraid. We've put so much fear in them. Now they're afraid. To deal with the world. Our ancestors would not be loving this. All I can say is. Thank you so much for joining me this Saturday. I hope that you join me next week. Um, and I can't remember what next week's topic is. But it's still on the same path of. The race to adulthood. I think we're talking about. Relationships. High school relationships. Teenage relationships. If y'all parents out there don't know, I'm getting ready to tell you. It ain't as good as it looks. Okay? So let's protect our children. If you want to see the show again, it'll be on tomorrow on YouTube. You can visit my website to hear it. Um, www.therealbrandyalexander.com. It'll also be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. We'll see you again next week, next Saturday. Same bat time, same bat channel, 1 o'clock. Um live on Instagram and Facebook. You guys have a wonderful Saturday and be blessed. Bye.